Welcome back to the Fit CFO Show. I'm your host, Amanda Hanquist, and together with my husband, Sean, we created this podcast as a way to help you reach your business's financial goals. We will break down common financial myths and mistakes in business and share with you the tools and knowledge to take your business to the next level. Our hope is that you'll become financially equipped for success in your business and in turn help our mission to make this world a healthier place. If you get valuable information out of this podcast, we just ask that you please share it with your audience and leave us a review so that we can continue to grow and help health and fitness businesses succeed. Today on the show, we wanted to give you all the details of one of our most frequently asked questions, and that is, should I do an LLC or an S-Corp? What about staying a sole proprietor? Why would I do one or the other? And what's the difference between the two of them? This is an information-packed episode for you, so grab some notes and let's get to it. This is the Fit CFO Show. What a day. You ready for a podcast? Already as ever, so. Oh man, so it's been it's been crazy in our house. I mean, we go from one sport to the next. This is kind of our down season, but there's just always things going on. I suppose every parent feels that way when they have kids in activity age. Yeah, and tons of travel coming up. Exciting though. Yeah, we have a lot of travel coming up for Fit CFO, so it'll be good. Very excited for that. Very excited to get out of the cold, really. <laughs> this this shit needs to move on for sure. And into a warmer environment, but also, I am such a lover at heart of anything in the nutrition and health space, and I love getting to just through what we do with Fit CFO, getting to hear and meet a lot of the you know gurus out in the space and hear them talk, and it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, it's energizing. Everybody is just the bomb, you know, just everybody's in a good mood and everybody gets along and everybody wants to see each other win. So it's just a neat atmosphere when we go to these events. It's a really cool industry. Lucky to be a part of it. So, well, today on the show, we wanted to dive in a little bit more to LLC and S Corp and which one is the best for you to choose. We get this question probably more than any. And I think because Um, A lot of times, sometimes it's just the thing to do when we progress through business and it may or may not necessarily be the thing that you should be doing yet, or because uh, maybe you've heard from somebody that told, heard from their accountant that they should, whatever the case is, we're going to break down the sole proprietor, the LLC, the S Corp, all of those things and tell you the difference between all of those and give you just kind of, obviously, you know, I want a preference that every business is different. And so your situation might be specific. And so it's always important to seek a professional for your particular situation, but ultimately guidelines, thresholds, what we typically see, we just want to bring that to you today. Yeah, absolutely. And um, perfect timing, right? Because it's the time of year if you've already have an established LLC, or if you're a sole proprietor, like you're at a position right now that if S Corp makes sense to you and your situation, you're in that window of time that you can apply to become an S Corp. You have between now and January 15th. So if this is interesting to you and you want to seek out you know, further education or further advice about it, it's perfect timing now to act because you have until March 15th to guarantee acceptance March. for 2023. Yep. Yeah. March 15th, not January 15th. I said, yes, that's passed. <laughs> it's been a long <laughs> not, day. We need to do these, a lot of meetings. 
He's had a lot we of need to do these in the morning <laughs> and not in the afternoon. So hey, I tried. I, I, I could not land a spot in your morning schedule. So <laughs> uh, okay, this will have to do. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> That's okay. All right. So we're going to talk about each one briefly, and then we're going to dive into a little bit more. That's kind of how I, I had this planned out. So let's dive into a sole proprietor. As you know, it's, you know, it's the starting spot. It's the beginning. A lot of times if you're working a full-time W2 position and you start this little side hustle, nutrition coaching thing, or whatever that looks like for you, a lot of times you're going to go with this first option, sole proprietor. It's just you acting yep. as you like, and you can literally run a business. Mm -hmm. Yep. And now, now if you're, you know, going straight into, let's say owning a brick and mortar, straight into owning a gym, straight into sure. accumulating debts from the get-go, having uh, you know, a lease, those, those sorts of things, then we may want to just kind of skip on past the sole proprietorship because we have liabilities at risk. At that point in time, you're going to be sitting down with your financial professionals. If you're yep. going all in, buying something, taking out debts, we've got to be structured right away. So I would have to say like this right here, the sole proprietorship, that is ultimately for your side hustle, like yep. just getting started. Let's give this a whirl. Like, do I even like doing this as a business or want <laughs> right. to do this? I, before right. you have to go and spend money on, you know, creating an LLC or any of these things, sole proprietor is the way to go. Again, if you're not uh, creating something that has liability. So Again, move on to LLC limited because we're going to umbrella all of these real quick and then we'll dive in. But LLC limited liability essentially is a business um, structure. Basically, it creates a liability protection. So you would get an LLC not for tax benefit, but you would get an LLC to provide you protection. Typically, you're going to want to do this if there's a liability risk. What do I mean by that? You have assets that you may need to protect. You have uh, You're making enough on this business that, you know, you, if something were to happen to it, you wouldn't want to get sued and get taken to the cleaners or whatever. Right. So ultimately Amanda hit the nail on top of the head. It is virtually just a shield from shielding your business from you personally. If you are living in mom and dad's basement and you don't have a lot of assets and this and that, you're right, the sole proprietorship. Okay, so now we've- Mom and dad, we're going to move in the basement. We've built assets. We have money. We have- um, houses, we have investment accounts, we have some assets worth protecting. So we're going to go and create that shield because we won't want anything bad to happen to our nest egg. Yep, absolutely. Now we, I put in a little blurb here to pause and talk for a minute about 1099s, but we just did an entire piece on 1099s. In fact, if you go to fitcfo.com and go to our resource page, we have a whole page of free resources. There's like, there's a ton on there but I just created a resource guide on 1099s. Um, so I don't think we need to go into much detail, but at the time that I wrote this particular podcast out, I hadn't done that yet. So anyway. And we were hot and heavy in the 1099 season. So it made yeah, sense. we were like elbow deep in 1099. So, <laughs> so elbow, deep. <laughs> elbow deep in what? <laughs> 1099. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, so let's move on to corporations. I am in a lot. Sean, talk about this. There's a couple different things that you can do because you can actually elect to have your your LLC become a corporation. So it's, it's kind of nifty. So like if you're like, oh, I don't know what to choose. I'm yeah. not quite to this point yet. You can get an LLC and then decide to elect for an S Corp. Yeah. So that's kind of a cool little thing that you can do. Right. So we're going to be talking about with our 
industry, our clientele, when we talk corporation, we're usually talking S corps. Yep. Rarely would we ever see an actual C corp. So I don't think it pays for us to even go down the C corp. Let's just route. give an example of just so we can like get C corp out of the way, and then we don't have to come back and talk about it again. When would that come into play? A C corp. The C corp's gonna. I mean, sometimes it depends on what state you're in and what your arrangement is of like partnerships and investors, and um, like how you want to like pay yourself. There's different nuances, but virtually a C corp has its own taxation, right? And then if you have your business as a C corp, that's getting taxed. And then when you take money out of the C corp, you're going to be taxed. So that would be, usually you wouldn't see that until you have like a, a lot of shareholders or a very large entity. So I don't yeah, think it's so really relevant. It, but it's, maybe like a Genesis gym or something of that sort. We I don't even have. I don't even think so. I don't know. It'd just be, even, it'd be big. Yeah. yeah. So it's um, very, very rare that you would ever see a C Corp. Yeah. So um, does it happen? Purpose. Yes. Does it happen? Yes. And there's different reasons, but it's like a small nuance of why it would happen. Gotcha. So we're going to blow past that one because I don't think we need to spend any more time on that. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they do happen and they are around. And if you need more information, you can reach out. We'll, we'll help you. But S-Corp and most of our clients start as an LLC. It's just what it's, you hear. You just hear LLC. Like I just need an LLC, right? But then you come to find out there's not really any tax benefits layered within an LLC. So the beauty behind the LLC is you can start there, you can have your liability in place, and then you can have your cake and eat it too, as in you can elect to have your LLC to be taxed as an S corp. And there are some variances there, like not everybody needs to be an S corp. And an S corp does now, or it can in some situations, provide tax benefits. Yeah. Most of the time we're going down the LLC S corp election. It's primarily because there might be a tax benefit for you. Yeah. And we'll get into that a little bit more detail here as we get, get going further in the podcast, but just wanted to kind of give you a quick round Robin on what right. you know, proprietor LLC and S corp were. And then, yeah. And then uh, the S corp has, like we said, the tax, some advantages, but there's also a lot of disadvantages. There's a lot of disadvantages. So yeah. So we're going to get into why, it's not always like greener on the other side of getting an S corp, depending on where you're at in your business. And that's right. why we wanted to kind of give you these, these general guidelines, general thresholds to go by, but again, ultimately seek out a professional for your specific situation. Everybody's situation is just a little bit different. So let's right. start with sole proprietor. So this one is great because you're like, cool. Somebody started asking me if I can give them advice on how to lose some weight or cool. I helped out a friend. She gave me 50 bucks. And now this friend wants to, wants to hire me. And all of a sudden you have 10 friends that are paying you a hundred bucks and you have a little business that you created all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Right. So then you have the sole proprietorship essentially. Yeah. And that all that means is like, you don't even have to have separation of finances. We highly recommend you do. Yeah. And start just for organization purposes. <laughs> but like, you're not breaking any rules if you go out there and collect yeah. money from someone. And you're not going to get like a, a freaky letter from the IRS or anything like that. No. no. And um, you're going to collect money and that's going to be like as easy as that. Right. But you need to keep track of how much you collect. And then ultimately, 
you need to keep track of expenses because now once you accept money from a client or person, you're a business owner. Yep. And guess what business owners get to do? They get to have write-offs. They get to take advantage of certain tax strategies. So it's a beautiful thing, but we need to keep track of everything. So when I said it doesn't have to be separated, it can be commingled with your personal if you want it that way. But as that business expands and grows, you're going to start getting asked for um, W-9s, right? Like, so someone pays you some money. Well, if you don't want your social security floating out there for everybody to see, you can start protecting yourself, even though you're sole proprietor, and you could go ahead and get an actual EIN number. Yeah. And then when someone asks, yeah, someone asks for your um, business information, you give them your personal name and your EIN number, and now you've protected your social security number. Which we highly recommend from the get-go, because you don't want to have your social security number floating around for everybody to be, you know, handling their accountant and this and that. So uh, very easy to obtain. I mean, simple. And then another step you might look at is getting a D- DBA, uh, yep. doing business as you're still not creating an LLC. You're still not creating any liability protection, but you want to operate underneath ABC fitness. Well, you can operate underneath ABC fitness. you got to get a DBA and then you can get an EIN number and then you can op- open up bank accounts. With yeah. That let's business. say you are making I don't know, more than a thousand dollars a month. And it's getting to the point where, yeah, I should probably start keeping track of this. Then you might want to get a business account just to keep things easier to keep track of, easier to know, you know, that way you can take your revenue and put it in that account. You can take your expenses and and purchase them only out of that account. It's just so much easier to keep track of. And just a a little tip, like even Maybe you're still a sole provider. You don't have EIN numbers, DBAs or anything like still open up separate bank accounts. They can be right. personal. Yeah, just, even a personal account. Just, just the only it. thing that flows through that is the income and expenses from the business. So you can easily track it. Yeah. Because too, like chances are you're rarely going to, I mean, yeah, you could just, so I'm not going to do it anymore, but most of the time it ends up getting bigger and bigger and snowballs. And then before you know it, you're like, oh my gosh. I'm making $10,000 a month and it's still going into my personal account. Okay. Now it's a mess, right? So <laughs> true that, true that. Um, so start right from the beginning. Yeah, just, just do it. it from the get go. So, um, oh, and if you do want to open up that uh, EIN as a sole proprietor, just go to your uh, city or your county website. And, or you can even call to find out if they sure. have some sort of a business license that's needed to operate legally in your town. So like the EIN number would be irs.gov and make sure you're on irs.gov because there's a lot of scams out there. So you type (laughs) in EIN number, someone's going to want to collect your fucking um, personal information and you're not getting an EIN number. You might get (laughs) some fraud. So make sure you're on irs.gov's website. Then you'll have a mess on your hands. (laughs) And then uh, DBAs, that's on the county side. It's not even recognized underneath the state side of things. So check your county offices. And then... Uh, the DBA, you know, doesn't necessarily protect the business name outside of the local county, which is kind of odd, but um, it is what it is. And then also one last thing, if you're operating a business within a community, there are local jurisdictions you should check into, but just note to everybody, like it's pretty uncommon in our industry to have to have any of those local taxes or licenses. And mainly because, and mainly because we're working with people all over the country They're online. We're not like contractors or even all over the world. Online. We're not right. like contractors going in within the city and building things. And right. so it's a little bit different industry, but it could happen. So just check if there's any local licenses that you need. Yep, absolutely.
Yep. And, and a lot of times the people at the city or the county are very helpful too. I have found anyway, it's not like the DMV. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hope that we don't stay in this phase very long. Yeah. Um, right. So um, yep. let's move this business on and, and move on to LLCs, but go into an LLC. Does, uh, there's some costs involved. Make mm -hmm. sure you're ready for that leap. And check out what state you live in, because that threshold is going to honestly be a little different regarding what state you live in. I mean, California is like north of 800 bucks every yes. year. So like an LLC. It, everything is always, it depends on your situation. For example, like if you have assets from a prior um, work experience or you have you know, other assets somewhere else, you own your home, et cetera, et cetera. And you're making $40,000 with this type of entity. You probably want to go ahead and get your LLC because you have personal assets that you need to protect. And, and at say 40 grand, you can cover a $200 um, state LLC renewal fee or 150, right? right? Yeah. It, it's not going to be a big deal. Now there is cost to implement and, and originate the entity in itself, but um, that's a one-time cost. Yeah. But that's kind of where you, I mean, we typically kind of see that threshold being, again, it depends because your background, your personal situation is going to be entirely different. If you are somebody that is, um, again, we're going to go back to the living at home with mom and dad. You don't really have a lot of assets to worry about. You can probably get away with it being a little bit more. Yeah. So what are you going to sue? Sue what? <laughs> sue what? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so it just kind of depends on your situation, but I would say roughly 40, $50,000 in um, your business. Then you probably want to go and get on, get on. Probably. I mean, I don't know. I, maybe I'm being too conservative, but even if you're above 15, 20, 25,000, like if you're making a couple grand a month in the business, it's kind of a real deal. It's no longer. Let's just put lemonade. that maybe on there that if you're past the point of it, it's a real business now, right? Like yeah. we're, we're grown up big girl big business now. Or, yeah. 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 That's when we need to get our LLC. So that's probably better than putting a, an actual dollar amount on it. But I know people like those specifics. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about LLC again. It's, it's all about the, the shield, the protection, the, yep. Um, it's again, it's not going to help you in a taxable situation. Now, if you get to the point where um, you feel like, you know, I'm just paying so much in taxes and there's got to be something else that I can do. Um, there, well, there is. And that's great. Did we miss anything on the LLC thing? Well, it just you do have to originate documents. You have articles of organization. Um, so that's like basically your business's birth certificate. Um, so you have to create that. And then most times you're going to have a, an operating agreement and it just explains who's doing what within the business. Not as important um, when you're a sole proprietor, um, way more important when you have business partners or partnerships. Uh, but that's the common um, two uh, documents you're going to create when you do an LLC is articles of organization and an operating agreement. Yep. Just keep those I kept mine in a binder and, for a long time. And I'm in the I'm in the camp of we're all professionals here, right? Like people are hiring you for nutrition advice or going to your gym to get go work out. Like I would do it right. Like the why hire cut a professional? Hire a professional that lives in yeah. your state that knows your state laws so the entity gets set up correctly. And, and here's what I want to say about that. As a fellow do-it-yourselfer, wear all the hats. 
I get it. Control freak. I can figure it out because that's what we are. We're a bunch of amazing people that have the ability to figure things out. However, your time is limited because you're wearing so many different hats. This is something you really don't want to screw up. And so why Mm -hmm. not just pay a couple hundred dollars to just have it taken care of for you? Yes. Then, you know, it's done right. Cause there's some nuances that certain States have like Nebraska has to be in the newspaper, like two different times and all this bullshit. Like, right. You don't want to just go to cheapo legal zoom.com and and like Uh, bump your way through. I don't want to like talk shit about the, the online companies because they play a purpose and they do. I've had clients do them. I've actually opened up an LLC after I've already opened up multiple and had my attorney do it, but I've had legal zoom do a LLC with me and I don't remember the cost, but it was probably half of what it costs to have an attorney do it. Um, for me, yeah. it was, it's not worth it. I saving. remember going on to legalzoom.com and getting about halfway through and being like, what in the world are you doing? Let's know. Nope. <laughs> nope. So, so I do want to say if you're a sole proprietor, really cutting costs, they, you can do it, but we're recommending local attorney, especially if you have a business partner. Yeah. Oh my God. There's so Here's many the things thing. that you you're, can You're spending uncover. 100 bucks on Lululemon leggings. I feel like you could probably go... <laughs> Pay an attorney. I just want to preface like partnerships. They're good. They can be good, but you got to know what you're getting into. What I'm (laughs) saying is, is like, it's once the business is up and running, then it's too late. Like you need to address things when, uh, when it's all good and you have a good relationship with your business partner. We're not saying it's going to go bad, but let's face it. A lot of partnerships do. So we need to have the rules spelled out of what's going to happen if a partner. And this is the time to do it. So let's just pretend for a brief moment that hypothetically things aren't going that great with your partnership what would you want to have in place if that were to happen like not saying it will it's it's hard to think about that those things but they can happen have it spelled out yeah of what's going to happen ahead of time you know what if happens is if your business partner uh, passes away do you really want their spouse as your, your new business partner which, by the way, go back and listen to our previous episode, episode uh, 86. Actually, it was just released on February 3rd about awesome. life insurance. We talk about all that. Yes. So like that, the, the, there's all kinds of things that can happen. A biz, business partners of maybe even if it's 50-50, like maybe you should have a hierarchy. Who gets the final say in business? Mm-hmm. That is what the operating agreement is going to do for you. Yep. Don't just, basically you're saying, don't just flop your way through these. LegalZoom.com and just click the buttons and get an operating agreement. And it says nothing and it'll do nothing for you if you get in a legal battle with a partner. Yeah. There's just something a little bit more official when you are sitting at a conference table with a room full of your, or well, probably not a room full, but your attorney and your um, partner and, and actually making things official and signing on the line and like all the right questions are going to get asked. You're going to yep. get asked to go home, do your homework, have a conversation of what's going to happen. And and when things go bad, right. Yep. And, and not only that, it. but these, uh, attorneys and professionals out there, they have experience with what happens when things do go south. Sure. So they know basically what to be asking and putting in here too. Let's talk about, the benefits of an S corp compared to an LLC. Mm-hmm. Actually, let's first start with the disadvantages. So let's say you're on that threshold. Sorry, I do want to backpedal a second okay. because I want people to know that it's not always the best instance to go out and file for an S corp because you automatically become an employee of your business. You pay yourself a fair wage. Sean, mm-hmm. I'm going to let you explain what that actually means. So you. 
when you do your analysis, if it makes sense to go to S Corp, you got to factor in now that you're an employee of your business. Pretty much at this point now, you better be outsourcing your financials. And have you thought about that extra cost? Because yeah, but let's, add, let's talk about why though. Let's talk about why at this point they should be now, financials. Because now you're required to have separation when you uh, like, personal, corp. The personal expenses and business expenses and revenue need you're to be required. Separate. You legally have to have separation of finances. Yep. And then you have to keep track of a balance sheet. And a lot of people are like, what the fuck is that? Right? Like, <laughs> I get it. Right. So you're going to have to have a balance sheet to keep track of the assets and, and liabilities or debts of the company. That has to Here's be the thing I want to say too. Once you understand, I know right now it's like a little grainy, <laughs> a little gray, but once you do understand these documents and these financial statements, and you really know what they're saying about your business. Mm -hmm you're going to be addicted to the numbers and you're going to want to see them every time they're processed. Right. Cause I'll tell you something about your business, which is yeah. super cool, yeah. but there's a reason why you have to have separation because now you have a separate entity yep. before it was even the LLC. You're still a sole proprietor. Mm -hmm. It's your own thing. Now, now you're running a, a actual company. So yep. Amanda mentioned, now you become an employee of your business. And now that requires filling out employment forms. That so requires. when you are working for a corporation, let's say when you first started out, you worked at Globo Gym and they had you fill out all that paperwork. You were a W2 employee. Like that's mm -hmm. the kind of stuff you literally have to do for your business. Yes. And then now, um, back when we owned our gym, I did all our quarterly reports and did all that stuff myself by hand manually. <laughs> what the fuck was I thinking? Like every quarter I was just like pissed at the world. I had to do this and submit this. And then I would do something wrong. Well, you can avoid that now. Or I don't know if these you platforms like literally existed. get the office max whiteout tape because you had to. <laughs> I don't know if these platforms like Gusto and that existed and ADP. No, they didn't. Uh, Instagram they, wasn't even around. <laughs> now you're really dating us. But um, now like you're going to go out and probably hire a, a payroll platform to go ahead and do all the withholdings and deductions and making sure the state IDs are collected, making sure that the federal taxes are withheld, making sure that the FICA taxes are done correctly and the employment forms are done. Now you have that cost. And we're not trying to overwhelm you. We're just saying it is something that you need to be aware of. Like, are you ready to become an employee and responsible for everything it takes to become an employee of your business? Yeah. And so that's where I kind of just started initially of usually at this point in time, you're going to be outsourcing because you need to be doing your own craft and what you're really good at and making money and outsourcing some of this nuance manual labor type of stuff. It's kind of like if you do go it alone, you can go faster, but if you go with a team, you can go farther. Yeah, I absolutely. That, right? I, I hope so. I wasn't really paying I got to get my sayings right before I try to say them. But it's something along those lines. And yeah. I really do believe in the power of having a team because. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then on top of time. on top of becoming an employee, I mentioned at the beginning, now you have as a separate entity. So it actually, you have to file an actual separate tax return outside of your personal. So yeah. anybody that's going to file that separate tax return is going to charge you more money to file your taxes. Yeah, because right. you're, you're filing a tax return for your corporation and, and also your business tax return is due, what, March 15th, so a month sooner? Month sooner. 
And then um, all that information, it's pretty much an informational return at that point in time, but you have to file it. And then it carries or pass throughs to your personal return that, that you have to report that income on. But we're saying so, all this because there are some nuances, some extra legwork that you need to be aware of. And so other than like the headache that it can create, if you're not ready or willing to outsource, um, let's talk about when it may not be financially beneficial for you to uh, utilize the S-Corp. So if you're running really hot, when I say hot in business, meaning low profit margins, it probably would not make sense. And why is that? Because you have the extra cost associated with the S-Corp of running the payroll and the extra tax returns and some of the extra reporting that you have to do. And if you're not making any net income or net profits, right? Like there's not going to be any tax savings that we're going to be able to do for you anyways. So it's just, so basically, a, it's an expensive counting, basically what it'd be if yeah. you don't have profits. Because if you think about it, if you don't have a lot of profits to begin with, you're already going to be in the lowest tax bracket possible, mm -hmm. right? So there's that, but then you're also adding the, the FICA tax, which is what 15.3% or something like that. You know, in addition Granted, that's going to be a, a savings. However, it's probably going to wash it out. Plus, you have the expenses of everything else going on. Yeah, really got to be a profitable business before this is going to be a benefit for you. And then even and then there are some, um, not so much if you're like a single or a married couple running the business, then the S corp makes it makes sense. But sometimes when you're running a partnership, uh, S corp election might not make sense because of distributions. That, that you have to do to make things equal. So like Even. you have to really worry about the distributions within the business. Right. And then if you're taking losses, you know, people don't realize and then on the actual corporation, the S corp side of things, if you take out more than you put in the company, you could have to pay capital gains in some years. Oh, so there's a whole bunch of shit that rolls on with this. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and sometimes on the partnership side of things, uh, to avoid that, you and your partner might open up your own separate S-Corps and take equal distributions from the partnership. And then you can write off what you want to write off and your business partner can write what they want to write off. Yeah, which I definitely can see why that would be beneficial for sure. Because within the S-Corp, everything has to be equal and it might not make sense because you might want to drive a Ferrari and I might want to drive a Ford F-150. Right. Yep. And if yeah. we write those off, that wouldn't necessarily work, right? So you might just keep that main business a, a partnership and then your S-Corps each individually own that portion and then take equal distributions and then you can do your own write-offs. But that's getting a little bit underneath the hood, just more of an advanced strategy. That is, but I guess just kind of being aware that there are various strategies out there if you have a partnership. These are just extra questions that you can ask your accounting team about if you're if you're feeling like you're in that situation. Um, so it's kind of nice to know that there's there's a lot of options out there. So let's kind of move on here to talk about when it would be beneficial. I know, again, it's hard. Everybody's situation is different. I know it's hard to pick a specific threshold, but let's talk about when it would be beneficial from a tax savings strategy standpoint to elect right. for an S-Corp on your LLC. Right. So maybe if I do an example here that it might help and make sense of when it when it could be in your like benefit to elect an S corp. And I'm just going to use a hundred thousand dollars net income for easy math. Um, net income, so, easy, so after your expenses are paid. 
Yeah. So if you have your gross income of 300,000 and you had $200,000 of expenses, you had $100,000 net income left over. And then from there, we have to figure out what's reasonable and how we're going to decide what your W-2 salary is going to be. It might be 20,000, it might be 30,000, it might be 40,000, it might be 50,000 of that 100,000, but it needs to be a certain percentage. Let's back up a second here too, because of that total 300 and the 200 subtracted, you have written off every possible thing that you can imaginally Mm -hmm. think of Yep. and, and now, okay, so now what, right now we can look at doing this escort because we still have a hundred thousand dollars in profits and we don't necessarily want to pay a hundred thousand dollars on that, uh, you know, entirely for taxes. Yeah. So the hundred thousand dollars you're going to pay federal and state taxes regardless on that $100,000 at your earned income rates. Now, if you live in a state that doesn't have state income taxes, two thumbs up. That's awesome. Not Nebraska. <laughs> but if you're just the, the sole proprietor or the LLC sole, sole proprietor, all $100,000 is going to be subject to 15.3% of the FICA tax. So if you did the math there, that's over $15,000 of just FICA tax, not including your federal and state taxes that are going to be due. And then, so I was going into the reasonable salary. We can debate that on a one-on-one call, what's reasonable, but for the call, just for easy math, let's just say yeah, 50, For the 000. general purpose yeah. of this, uh, you know, to speak to generally everyone here. Let's just say we figured in this case, $50,000 was a, a good reasonable W-2 wage for you. So we got $50,000 that's subject to federal and state income taxes and the FICA taxes. Okay. Now we get this other $50,000 that's still income, that's still going to flow through to your personal tax return as earned income. You have to pay federal and state taxes on it, but it's not subject to that 15.3% of FICA taxes. Versus so, if you just left it at 100,000, didn't do your yeah. escort election, didn't become an employee of your business, the entire yeah. thing would be the 15.3%. Right there, right there alone is about $7,500 in tax savings. Now you do lose some deductions, from just being a uh, sole proprietor LLC, because you get to deduct like half the self-employment tax and stuff like there's some nuances. So let's just say right. instead of 7,500, let's just say it's 6,500, right? For, for to be conservative. Well, $6,500 is pretty damn awesome. That's just leaving that tip to the IRS in this situation. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, okay, if I have to add $2,000 of maybe accounting expense or just platform cost. Now I got to take that 2000 from that 6500. Now I'm saving about 4500, 5 grand, and to me that would still be worth it in this situation. Yeah. That is easy math. Savings might be 3 4000, it might be 10 12000, right? Yeah. But I just wanted you to get the general idea of how that works. Right. Right. Yeah, regardless if you are making, yeah, profits that it makes sense, I mean you're going to be saving some money. Now if you aren't, I mean, you might as well just, again, pay that 15% entirely right. because it's not going to hurt anything. And then you're going to hear some some old school, and I shouldn't even say old school, but some accountants are going to say, oh, just stay uh, LLC, sole proprietor. And that's fine. They, they do have some good points of why you would want to just stay as an LLC sole proprietor. And like one of them would be like, okay, by paying more and maxing out your social security, you're going to have more money come in at social security time when you retire. I suppose you couldn't argue that, but what if you took and invested that $6,500 savings over the next 20, 30 years, I'd probably take that bet more than paying more into the FICA. So it kind of depends on what are you going to do with that savings? 
Do you find, and, and maybe this question doesn't even apply, but do you find that sometimes the older school, oh, I guess we're not using that term. We're not using that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't know, but, uh, they don't necessarily want to deal with the paperwork of it. And so they're just, they just stick to it until you get to a certain point or they just believe really heavily in they believe that heavily because I'm like, if it's going to benefit their client, why wouldn't they be for that? And then there are some, like, if you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars and you want to really max some tax deferral um, and some tax savings far as into like retirement accounts and cash balance plans, sometimes that takes away from the savings of keeping your salary low because you can only do employee contributions up to a certain limit. And then you only can put 25% of your salary into like a ta- into like a tax deferred retirement plan. So if your salary is really low, you could limit yourself sometimes on some tax deferral into like retirement accounts. That's another nuance that you have to like really look at to see if that makes sense. Gotcha. So there's definitely some pros and cons of both sides and I get both sides, but it's like, what do you want now? Do you want the tax savings now? And we'll come up with other tax strategies later. Usually that's the the camp I'm in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And this is, okay. So I kind of wanted to, to dial back a little bit because I have seen where, um, like, for example, we've had some people come on board and they like literally just went straight for that S corp right away. Um, so let's talk about situations where you would want to do that and situations where maybe it was jumping the gun a little bit, but again, going back to, if you are like taking over an existing business or buying a business, like an acquisition. When we launched, when we launched our gym, we went ahead and elected escort from the beginning because we were buying a cash flow gym. We already had past numbers. We knew what our new debt numbers were going to be, and it's still cash flow that made sense to elect the escort. Well, not only that, but um, sometimes it's a requirement depending on the lending situation, lease agreement, all of those things too, to separate your personal assets from your business. Yeah, I, I wouldn't probably feel like that would be the reasoning. Like it might, I think more or less what you're probably looking at is like personal guarantees at mm-hmm. lending institutions, but maybe not so much more that you'd have to be an escort versus an LLC. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, I feel like if you're going to go down the escort, like you have projections, you have income already coming or cash flow already coming in, you're buying an existing business, like you said, that makes sense. You have a because- reason. Or if you've been a sole proprietor and you've already worked up to like $100,000 in revenue and have like 20,000 expenses and you already have $80,000 net income, well, that would make sense to go ahead as you're applying for your LLC to go ahead and elect to be an S-Corp, more than likely. Yeah. So that'd be another situation. If you've already been the doing business and now you're just creating your entity and so you know what you have, then- yeah. That would make sense. Well, and I think some franchises require certain things as well. Like I know, I know in the insurance or financial industry is different, but I know that that was a particular requirement is I had to be an S corp mm. in order to franchise, or I, I mean, they didn't call it a franchise, but essentially that's what it was. I could be. Yeah, for sure. But so I, see where, are, I see where you're going with that. Yeah. So but I don't know in, if that in was our typical like clientele and industry. I wouldn't say Um, That would probably be a thing. Right. But I do see quite a bit of, you know, franchisees 
asking questions and they're, or they're, you know, inquiring about starting a, a franchise, like who knows? I mean, if it's an F45 or an anytime fitness, or I don't know who else to name drop here, but <laughs> there's a lot of other, you know, franchise businesses. They, they might may have, have requirements. Yeah. They may have requirements. So you just want to double check that, but um, but yeah, anytime you're you're making a business acquisition that has prior numbers, that has um, clearly revenue already coming in the door, you just mm-hmm. might as well probably go for that if it makes sense financially for you. So let's talk about if you are planning on hiring employees. So we're going to go into this in more detail on our next episode that we co-host together the difference between hiring, um, the types of employees that you're going to be hiring, mm-hmm. uh, W-2, 1099, all of those. We're going right. to talk about that on our next episode, but I wanted to kind of overlay this a little bit on the S-Corp side of things, because if you're planning on hiring an employee. I, I see what you're saying. Like if you're already going to be having W-2 employees and you're already going to have to have payroll and the quarterly right. employment forms and all that done for you. So if you do have profits and it might just be another little push to go ahead and elect. So no, that does make sense. And then a lot of times if you're just hiring contractors, then you wouldn't necessarily need that full-blown platform and maybe it wouldn't make sense. But um, so decide on what type of an employee or contract you're going to hire. Um, and then that might also decide. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, I don't think we really miss anything. The other thing, only other thing again is check with your city, um, you know, or your County, see if there's any kind of licensing that you need to do in particular. Um, you know, you just don't want to have any fees or taxes or anything like that imposed on you by just not doing your homework. No. And then it, and sometimes you even run into like sales tax issues. Some States are going to make you even pay sales tax. If you have an online company, and a lot of brick and mortar are already familiar with sales tax, but sometimes I've seen some crazy scenarios where um, the online business coach has to pay sales tax and it's just a requirement of that state. So um, just be aware. I mean, some of that stuff could come back to haunt you if you're not aware with all the rules and regs within your state. Yep. So that's everything that you need to know in the health and fitness space for LLCs, S-Corps, sole proprietorships. If you guys have specific questions about this, feel free to head to fitcfo.com slash contact, fill out the form. You'll be directed to me. I'm happy to answer those questions for you. Also feel free. I'm going to put it in the show notes here, but join our Facebook group. We give training talks once a month with live Q and a asking questions that you want in there, but we are happy to help you guys. There's actually this. some good questions that came in today. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. So we're here to help you guys. Again, it's our goal to make this world a healthier place. And what better way to do that than helping your businesses succeed? We will catch you guys in the next one. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications so that you don't miss a beat. We'd love it if you'd share this podcast, your Instagram story, your Facebook page, or any of your other social media platforms so that we can help other health and fitness entrepreneurs out there succeed in business. We so appreciate you listening in. And until next time, keep your goals high, but keep each step attainable. Whoa.